Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are going to introduce to you our formal plan uh, to begin speaking into the conversation. I hate that word, conversation. Let's have a conversation um, about social justice as it relates to the church. Don't you hate it, though? <laughs> what we need is a conversation. No, your head needs to be thumped is what it needs, but... That's probably too harsh. Um, anyhow, a lot of ways that we could go with it, but we thought an introductory episode where we lay out our plan might be helpful to set the playing field. For those of you who are actually looking forward to this series, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, but we know that people are, and so we want you to know this is what we're thinking of doing. This is our plan. We sat down worked it out together. Um, it's basically the point of the episode. So our, this episode is going to be two-pronged. We'll give you the roadmap uh, over the next at least 10 episodes. Um, but most importantly, we really want you to write in uh, and let us know what's on your heart about this. Really, people, write in. It's yes. not hard. Uh, we want to hear the questions that are on your minds. What are the pressing issues and questions that you have? Um, and if it doesn't get answered or dealt with under any of the topics that that you will hear us give in a few minutes then please let us know uh we would uh address we really want to address everything that we can within reason right, i mean right. we don't want to become a social justice podcast um in fact we've already told you some of the people that are worth listening to that will deal with a lot of that much better so what we're going to do today is we're going to begin by saying that addressing social justice has not been an easy or fun decision, nor is it even something, a particular desire that we have. Um, neither of us has a personal interest in it. We think it's no. problematic, um, and the fruit that will come from it, um, I'm not... Well, uh, let me just put it this way. There's a lot of other books I'd rather be reading right now than... White Fragility? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring it up. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, anyway, um, yeah, it, it's not like this is a personal interest to us at all. I like Vody's comment he when he talks about how um, a lot of people, you know, you can't necessarily find racism in somebody, right? A heart of race. But if you do, that's easy to deal with. Just go to the yeah. scriptures and bring the scriptures to bear on it. But the issue now, where the quote conversation is at, is is it's not so much focused at the individuals as much as it is focused at a system. Yep. And so you use the Bible to address the heart, but if the issue is the system, what do you do? How do you deal right. with that? And he says, this is why now you re you get rid of the pastor and you get a politician. Yep. And so now this has become a very uh, you know, it's a point of interest for pastors. They they're like enjoying this stuff, and I'm 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 going to argue that the reason a lot of them are enjoying it is one they see it as two one of two things: um, a growth point 
for them and their church, but also a uh, it's a way that you can still not really just do the heavy lifting of Bible exposition. I mean, sure. you just get to throw out a few verses and and then start your conversation. But I'm also a very jaded older guy who's not too impressed with the state of the pulpit. So anyhow, now we said it multiple times, though, we have purposely chosen to remain silent on this issue for uh, many reasons. The first is it is very undesirable to speak right now as any statement you will uh, make will put you in one of two lanes. And whether you're in that lane or not, people stick you there. Um, and the conversation has just become, therefore, uh, increasingly bifurcated. That is to say that you simply are on one side or the other. And also, depending on which side you're on, it also means that you are therefore overtly against the other. That is just fact and the state of the debate. So there's very little nuance going on. There's no true conversation. Everyone is talking loudly. They're talking past each other. And if you don't agree, then you're the enemy. And this is not just in reference to the culture at large, but sadly, it's increasingly so a statement of the church. Yeah, and it's not just like you're, you disagree with the position of the, quote, other side. It's like there's a, there's a hatred for the people now that hold that position. And so, like, I mean, there's true enemies in the church, which it can't, it can't be that way. It's forbidden biblically. Um, so, second, we would also say very few people are seeking clarity or interested in thinking thoughtfully on this topic, though many say they are, I would say that um, there was a much better attempt to think more thoughtfully earlier on, but in reality, much of it's simply dissolved into anger. It's been reduced to personal attacks at this point. Um, most people are, are listening, they're reading, they're seeking to acquire a vast amount of knowledge and thought on these issues, but merely so that they can find more ammunition to just bolster their argument for the side that they already agree with. That's what I see taking yeah. place right now. Um, no one is seeking to truly understand. We're, we're living, in other words, in a culture, a veritable culture of Proverbs 18.2, <laughs> which is one that I just keep reminding myself of often during this time. It's a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. And you just, you see that everywhere. What, what's interesting about that proverb is the word for mind there when he's revealing his own mind? It's it's the word lave. It's it literally means heart, inner desire. Um, and we dealt with that on um, man, the doctrine of man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's that's just something we're seeing to be true again, not merely in the secular culture, but increasingly so within the church. Um, we we live in a proverbial tank of fools right now because very few seem to be seeking a true understanding. And that that is true, I would say, in large measure on both sides of this. Uh, and it's it's very disheartening. And so we we have chosen to remain silent because really it's it's nearly impossible to speak thoughtfully into something so toxic. <laughs> um, and so we're not in in here's some transparency here. We're not certain how helpful this will truly be. I mean, we're going to give it a shot for the next few episodes, but um, it may just simply add fuel to the fire, which frankly, we are, I mean, at one level we're okay with, um, but we're going to attempt nevertheless to, to speak, try to speak thoughtfully, and if you care at all, you're at least going to get some of our perspective. You know, another reason, though, I think we have been able to be somewhat silent on this is the state of our own church. We don't have a 
Yeah, it's true. It's not people are now sitting on one side of the church or the other, depending on their their place. Um, there's quite a bit of peace within our church there on is, these things, yeah. and so we're we're able to stay focused on what we would call weightier and more important issues, right? But um, we're also having many people from other churches wandering in. One because our church is actually open, fully open, and in in this time of pandemic and others are staying closed but many of them are also realizing that they're not really too happy about what they're hearing all of a sudden quote unquote the other side is saying and so they're looking for is there a place i can just come and worship um without being shoved down my throat a viewpoint that i'm already in disagreement with and i run the risk of being told i'm a problem or whatever it might be because i I'm not so sure I buy into it. So um, it, it, it has given us that freedom to not have to pick this up and run with it because we don't have people on both sides running around with pitchforks. Right. Yeah, the, these comments we're making are observations that we're seeing in the church at large. We are reluctantly being drugged into this because the church <laughs> at large is grabbing hold of us and saying, say something in our small little corner. I mean, we're sure. two nobodies. Um, the third thing we'd also say is in light of the current state of our culture, how the conversation and issues keep morphing with such rapidity um, has made it simply a challenge to keep up with. I mean, every time you think you've got it, a new book comes out or a new tweet or a new yeah. thing. Uh, the conversation is constantly changing almost daily. And so it uh, seems like there's a new big issue uh, a new event takes place somewhere in the nation. A new must-read book gets published. A celebrity Christian makes a statement. A mayor seeks to introduce a new policy, and the list just keeps going on. Every week. Yeah, I mean, defund the police. Yeah. Uh, did you read the uh, the tweets? Uh, that girl who's the daughter won the police officers ambushed in McClellan, Texas. She's a teen, and on her, I think it's Instagram. She posted just a picture, about four pictures of her with her dad, who was a police officer, in his uniform. And she just is talking about how she's grieving over this and misses him and loves him. I mean, this is a daughter just lost her father in an unrighteous act. And the level of hate coming on her where they're saying, F this, he has, uh, F the police, he, I'm glad he's dead, he has no place, there is no purpose, blue lives don't matter, and she's being inundated by this. Um, and what's sickening is, of course, the media is remaining silent on it, and it shows, I mean, so it's the new fire now. So now right. people are, you know, burn the police department down, and I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You no idea whatsoever. Um, and only one side of the conversation is being allowed to be discussed. So every day you're, or week at least, yeah. something new is coming up. And so it being a broad topic that has so many facets and tentacles and aspects. How do you say that word? Foci. Foci? It's the plural of focus. I always thought it was foci. Foci, that makes sense. Uh, the request for us to speak into this has been less than desirable. So we, we hope we've made it clear. We don't want to do this, but we're going to do it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, we, there is value. So in speaking still, I mean, we, we do have a church. We do have our own little corner, if you will. <laughs> um, the reality, though, is most people have made up their minds 
there, there is still a very small segment of people who perhaps have not, uh, in our conversations, it's, it's not that they don't want to make up their minds. Rather, it's just, they're not certain how to think on these issues as a Christian. Um, you know, people are, they're hearing many words, um, they're seeing a lot of memes, they're seeing a lot of anger, a lot of passion, but there's little clarity for them. And so our simple hope in this entire, however many week thing we decide to do this, is to try and bring a, a, a reasonable approach. Um, now, we've said it before, but there are many good resources already out there. We are not claiming to be the first or the only or even the best resource on this by any means. Um, but we do know that we can be of help and we can help function as a stomach of sorts <laughs> in processing some of the issues to help make it somewhat digestible. Um, <laughs> you get, I've you, always <laughs> wanted to be a stomach. <laughs> Beats a, being a colon, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had, had to go there. Yeah. Uh, so we are, yeah, so we're, we're pastors. We, we still have a responsibility to our own constituents, our own people, if you will. And so we do want to speak as pastors on this. Um, so in light of this, we have been amassing basically an arsenal of videos, articles, blogs, statements that only you and I are sharing with each other. Um, and, and the goal is to help both of us keep up with the current issues, keep up with what we're each reading and seeing and interact with the many voices that are now being looked to by the culture and the church. And on top of that, we've mentioned this before, but we've started reading the many books um, this new canon, if you will, that everyone is claiming that everyone must read. Um, there, there's books written by both Christian people and secular people, and so we're trying to digest all of that. Um, in fact, there are books that unless you read them, most people will just say you're not allowed to speak, yeah. um, which we reject. But um, So we've begun reading them very carefully, very critically, and... We'll get to that later. Yeah, so let's give the basic roadmap. The first thing we want to try to do is just like we do with theology, we try to, def well, just about anything if we have to, uh, define and explain the key terms. Because before you talk, it's important to define those terms. If there was one thing I actually appreciated, and that would be a very long reach with the White Fragility book, which is a piece of garbage. But the one thing that she does do is she tries to change the definition. So, And she's open about it. So she, she's like, if you think racism is this, then you're probably not a racist. But that's not what racism is. And so she takes the normal right. use of racism and says, yeah, but that's not what really racism is. And she not then tries to make an argument for what she thinks really racism is. So you have to buy into her definition. Yeah. But at least she does lay down her definition. I'll, I'll give her yeah. that. Um, and in so it. doing, though, she controls now the narrative. Yeah. Which uh, we'll talk about later. But right. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, there's so much angst and anger and talking past each other. Um, all of that is just proof that really there's not a lot of agreement on the meaning of terms. And as a result, you don't have common agreement on basic definitions, then the simple reality is that you're not talking about the same thing. Right. Um, and so the final result becomes anger, frustration, and muddier waters, and ultimately simply no solutions. Right, so some of the terms that we want to define and discuss, because these are the- No, we don't want to define. We're forced to define. <laughs> We're willing to engage and yeah. bring in a definition to these. Um, number one, intersectionality, huge issue right now. Two, Marxism and cultural Marxism. These are not the same things. Um, 
yet people are calling them the same thing. Uh, social justice. I mean, what the heck does that even mean? Uh, critical theory and specifically critical race theory. Um, we want to talk about prejudice, racism, and systemic racism. Again, these are not the same things, but many use them interchangeably. And they, there, there are technical definitions to every single one of these, but when we get sloppy with our terms and our definitions, of course, it simply perpetuates the confusion. Um, we want to talk about social justice versus biblical justice. Are these the same thing? Is there overlap? Are they just two very different concepts? Uh, what are the presuppositions at play when you come to these things? Uh, what is the place of general revelation in this discussion? So, so how much, if at all, can we go outside the Bible to let it inform our understanding of what justice is and therefore what the church is supposed to be and do? And that's a massive issue right yeah. now. Um, also, in all of this too, we have to define race, ethnicity, imago Dei, which is the image of God, and then also culture. Uh, again, these, these are not the same things, and yet many keep using them interchangeably, which is why I would argue that it ultimately just keeps this discussion very muddy. And then we're going to deal with public, private, and semi-private education. Um, and this is the proverbial elephant in the room in many churches. Uh, we want to explore the concept and try to bring some sort of observations and judgments to it from a pastoral perspective, uh, but we're not going to be popular one way or the other. I, I, it's just yeah. such a, I mean, you're dealing with people's children and decisions that they've made. I think the day of trying to balance both and is over. Right now, I, I think it I is. I think you just, you have, you're going to have to land somewhere. And, and when you don't land, I think people will be just as frustrated. Yeah, I would agree. Um, what, what is the role and function of education? That, that's a key question. How does it work? To whom has this responsibility been given in a biblical sense? Uh, we should be asking ourselves why so many of the young people in our culture and church uh, are pushing for the same changes that we're seeing. Um, why is Christian, why are Christian young people wanting to defund the police in one way or another. The point in common is usually their education. Um, so we want to explore certain questions such as, is a battle for public education lost? Uh, should Christians keep seeking to try and reform the current structure or should it be abandoned? Beyond pre-adult uh, education, what about post-high school education, the universities and others, public ones especially, is it even right or wise anymore for a Christian to pursue these things? Um, and that's key because you have people in education, uh, but they're still in the home, but then they go off into a university and they become just hyper-radicalized. Like, what happened? Well, we know what happened. Um, is higher education then really just an evil indoctrination machine right now? And if so, what is a Christian's responsibility? Or is it permissible to keep feeding that machine the thousands of dollars every year that requires it to keep alive? Or do Christians have a biblical duty uh, to help starve it, so to speak? <laughs> yeah. Um, we also want to interact with key proponents on the, quote, other side, I mean, it's no major secret as to where we essentially land on some of these things, but we do want to deal with the major writings and influences and voices right now. So um, just to give a, a, a basic survey, you know, Jamar Tisby, Color of Compromise, uh, Michael O. Emerson and Christian Smith, Divided by Faith, um, Eric Mason, Woke Church, uh, Robin D'Angelo, White Fragility, 
Um, you know, there was the MLK 50 conference and that was a very watershed moment. Um, and there's, there's many others and that might change or morph as we go along, but we do think it's important to interact with the other side and hear what they're actually saying before we just decide we're going to blast, put everyone on blast. Yeah. Yeah. And then we want to deal with facts versus feelings. Uh, and perception. So now we're going to get into things like police shootings. How should we think about them as Christians? What is really happening when we see these take place? Um, there are feelings, but there also are facts, um, and we have to separate those. We want to speak to the inconsistent argument that we see in the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, is it really permissible for Christians to support the movement? Can we or should we even buy, try to make a distinction between Black Lives Mattering and the Black Lives Matter movement? And that's what some are trying to do. I'm not sure they're being successful, but that's fine. We'll talk about it. Uh, we want to make some observations regarding this trope of elevating criminals up as martyrs and heroes. That's one of my bugaboos. It's just like sure. at least make a person who was innocent Right. Um, not a criminal. Um, this is not a police issue for us. It's actually a, a, a very uh, deeply biblical one. Yeah, along with that, we also want to address a, a massive concerns where we're seeing Christians being led, I mean, literally being led by non-Christians in their worldview and their goals. Um, you know, a brief review even of recent history, and what I mean by that is, you know, the past two or 300 years, uh, will show the church's propensity to radically swing with the times and the cultures, uh, using often the Bible to support those positions. Um, and so in light of that, we want to talk about the overtly countercultural nature that the church is to be. Um, in many ways, that is to be her expected identity. Uh, Matthew 5 would mean something, and we're going to use that text, but what does it mean to be light of the world, a city set on a hill? Um, how can you be salt and light to a broken, fallen world if your salt and light looks and feels and tastes exactly like the culture? That's a very difficult thing to right. achieve. <laughs> um, and so in light of that, we want to talk about how and what and where the church should lock arms with the world, if at all. Um, and of course, that plays into things like marching and protests and, and activism. What is the responsibility of the church in all of this? And then we'll talk about good old SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, where our church is part of that. Uh, they're having a major move on the social justice, uh, major shift going on there. Um, this is a very personal one. Um, and there's been many recent statements. There's a hiring of professors and actually determination of pastor or professors. Right. New standards are being uh, erected. So how should we respond and think about those. Uh, along with that, then there's this whole host of social justice texts that are being used, a Bible text meaning. Uh, these are the commonly quoted Bible verses that the Christian social justician will go to. Right. Um, I'd never heard that word or phrase, social justician, and then I saw Daryl Harrison use it. I'm like, mm. oh, I guess it is a word. Um, in fact, we have made a statement in a previous episode about how there is little biblical exposition being done of the various passages that are being quoted. Um, 
yet they're being recited all the time. And so we're going to actually say, let's look at the Bible texts and deal with them. Yeah. So just a few of them. You want to kick them out? Yeah, so a survey of those passages. These are some important ones. And there's others, but Psalm 82, Isaiah 1, Isaiah 58, Jeremiah 22, Amos 5, Micah 6, Matthew 25, Luke 4, Luke 10, James 1, and many others. So there's a whole host of go-to proof texts that people are, are quoting and reading and holding up signs of but there's been no exposition of those passages as to what they actually mean. And yet when you throw out a verse into a context or a culture right now, it's being interpreted by the narrative of the culture, not on the Bible's own words. Yeah, I'm really tired of the Good Samaritan yeah. and how it's being treated. But uh, we'll talk about it. Now, build into this conversation will be the issue of how one's hermeneutic affects the interpretation of the passages, <laughs> especially the Old Testament ones. How should we, the church, a new covenant community, understand and apply passages that were given to Israel within an old covenant, theocratic context? That's actually huge. And we're touching on that right now in our yeah, sermons, our little, messages. Do, do a little shout out for Sundays. Yeah, missiodayfellowship.org. Yeah. One word, missiodayfellowship.org fellowship.org. We're on Sunday. Right now, we're dealing with hermeneutics. It's not real heartwarming, no. but we're. it's all because we're going to be dealing with the kingdom of God because you're going through Luke, I'm going through Acts, and the kingdom of God is very prevalent in there. Um, or and, you can find us on YouTube. Just search Missio, Missio de Fellowship, and you'll get our live stream. Yeah, and you can, if you don't want to watch us all sing and take the Lord's Supper together, you can just slide the bar until you get to where Matt and I, we're actually sitting down at a table and conversing and talking. Um, and there's a reason behind that, but that's not how we normally do it. Um, but we're dealing with hermeneutics and we're going to get into that because your hermeneutic does affect it. And we do find that that's part of the problem is a person would use a text that you and I would never use. Um, and we're, and we would say would be an illegitimate use. Um, so when like Jesus references the Old Testament, how does he use it? Uh, is he teaching us a hermeneutic? Right. Um, yeah, and then along with those commonly used passages, we we also want to bring out what we see to be the key in guiding texts for, for believers on this issue. Meaning we have our Bible verses. <laughs> right, yeah. And so we're going to be addressing um, in various ways passages such as Romans one eighteen and following, Romans 3, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 13, Galatians 3, 28, Colossians 3, along with Ephesians 6, and of course, many others. And they're all very important passages and relevant to this entire discussion. So that's a, it's a quick one, but just a basic roadmap, a plan uh, that we've worked out just to kind of give you the, uh, the landscape here. And our main goal, uh, again, with this episode was to try and show how multifaceted this discussion actually is. Uh, but we, what we really want to do um, is let you hear where we are coming from, but so that you can give us some feedback and write in with questions and concerns on your mind. Yeah, yeah. is there a big gap that you're like, what about? Yeah, because uh, we do want to address it. We really want to be of help, um, uh, you know, but we can only be of help where we understand the questions. Um, so, so please let us know what's on your mind. Your questions can be as broad or as narrow as, as you like. Um, and if, if you don't think we're going to hit on your question based on what you just heard us plan to talk about, then please do let us know what that is. So that is our plan, Lord willing, uh, next week to uh, begin this entire topic. So until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. 
Uh, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend. Thank you.